0: cream fillers The girl I promised I would call
1: Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV.
2: And now your host, Vena jones Cox. Good afternoon, I am Vina Jones-Cox and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where this week, as every week, we're putting folks just like you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. And it is question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate. I know, I know, it's all confusing because it's not the last Wednesday of the month, but we had to use the last Wednesday of April to have a very special guest, Missy mccall Hammonds, to talk about... Uh, running your business like a business. And she is speaking this evening at the Greater Dayton Real Estate Investors Association. And so couldn't be here tonight. So we switched the shows. Well, what this all means to you is that you need to call in with your questions at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. If you're listening outside, the greater Cincinnati area. You can also send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Any topic, real estate related topic at all is fair game today. I'm here live to answer any questions you have about financing, management, buying, selling. Uh, I can even try and tackle entity questions and uh, things like that. But you have to let me know what they are at seven seven two nine six five eight or 877 or at askvina at gmail.com. You can also become a fan of Real Life Real Estate by going to realliferealestateradio.com. That is our fan site on Facebook. You would be joining, let me see here, how about... um. 1,690 members and 3,200 fans of Real Life Real Estate Investing by doing that. Don't look so shocked, Mike. We have two different pages now because Facebook did that whole thing about you can't be a fan of stuff anymore now. You can only like it. So we had to set up a different page so people could actually join it. And it's all very confusing. 62. But and WMKV has 62 fans. Big break. Oh, the big broadcast has sixty-two fans. So also, while you're on Facebook, look for the big broadcasts and fan your- them up. Um I don't know, is there a black market in Facebook fans? We could we'll <laughs> we could we could we could find that out. Yeah, the the big broadcast is a good show, folks. Go go fan them up too. You could you could be a you could be a groundbreaker there by fanning <laughs> the big broadcast. Um Let's see. Uh, tomorrow night at the Real Estate Investors of Greater Cincinnati, Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati, the early topic is introduction to entities with attorney James Flax. He's going to sort out for you the difference between limited liability companies and corporations and uh, land trusts and all those things that you have heard about, but maybe don't completely understand what the differences are and the pros and cons are. That is the six o'clock early meeting. At the main meeting, Missy McCall Hammonds and I will be talking about how to apply emyth principles to your business. We'll show you how to double a number of deals you're doing with less effort by doing some simple things like creating systems, performance indicators, financial indicators, and uh, getting other people to do some of those things for you. And yes, even if you can't think you can afford to hire help. That's the Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati meeting tomorrow. That's Thursday night. Early meeting starts at six. Main meeting starts at 7:30. All are welcome. You can get more information at CincinnatiRIA or at 859-292-7342. That's 859-292 REA. Some questions that have come in here to real life real estate investing uh, over the course of the last few days and of course today as well from our fans on Facebook Uh, if I can just get over to that folder in my computer here it is Uh, more here of a comment than a question this is from Larry in Sarasota he says your article was great today we can learn from anyone, even if it is to do the opposite of what they do. Um, great article, especially in this downtime of everyone shouting down anyone who doesn't agree with every single thought you have. The only thing that could have been better was that instead of just leaving, you made it a teaching moment for them. Now, if you're wondering what article he's referring to, folks who sign up for our free e-letter at askvina.com. Receive a weekly notification of the upcoming radio show, as well as uh, an article each week. And this week's article happened to be about um, how to learn from people that you actually don't like personally, because in real estate, as in life, you will meet people that have stuff to teach you that you kind of can't stand. And uh, that was what the article was about. It was about me uh, attending a seminar and leaving early and in disgust because the AV was bad and the speakers were bad and the uh, attitude of the presenter was kind of, you know, very my way or the highway, don't worry about doing good things, just make money. And um, so I wrote an article about it and uh, you could have received it too if you had gone to askvina.com and signed up for our weekly e-letter. Craig in Conifer, Colorado says, your webinar slash radio show. Can it be found as a podcast? Now, this gives me the opportunity to mention something that has been coming up here on Real Life Real Estate over and over in about the last six months. This is not a webinar, ladies and gentlemen. This is a live radio show that you can actually turn on the radio and hear it through your speakers if you live in Cincinnati. It broadcasts from WMKV, which is 89.3 on your FM dial at 5 p.m. on Wednesdays. Because of the huge number of webinars that are out there, uh, we've had a lot of confusion where people call the number to the station expecting to hear the show because that's how a webinar works. And when you call the number of the station here, you're actually talking to a live human being and they're expecting you to ask a question and you don't have to do any of that. You can listen at wmkvfm.org. If you're in the Cincinnati area, you can listen at 89.3. Or alternatively, we do podcast the show on iTunes. So look for Real Life Real Estate Investing on iTunes. And, uh, gosh, we've got a bunch of shows uploaded there. So uh, thank you very much for your question there. Uh, it's question and answer week. we got to take a quick break. But when I come back, I want to have at least three people lined up on the phones at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or send us an email at askvina at gmail.com.
0: Support for WMKV comes from the Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati, presenting "How to Apply E-Myth Principles to Your Real Estate Business" on Thursday, May 6th at 7:30 p.m. The guest speakers will be Missy McCall Hammonds and Vena Jones Cox, local investors who have more than 30 years combined experience. More information and directions at CincinnatiREA.com. That's CincinnatiREA.com. Checking on traffic right now. Accident, Spring Grove at Winton. Redding at Seymour, eastbound River Road at State Street, and U.S. 50 at Lawrenceburg Road. Uh, Good news, the earlier accident, southbound 471 at Memorial Parkway, all gone. We have a weather forecast tonight that calls for partly cloudy skies for the most part, a low of 52. However, there could be a stray thunderstorm or two passing through the area. And uh, because of that, we can't rule out precipitation tonight. Tomorrow, sunshine with a high of 75. And then on Friday, sunny to start the day, but then a 70% chance of rain to uh, finish it up on Friday. Saturday and Sunday look good, but much cooler. Highs only in the upper 60s. Right now, we're 81 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. WMKV puts its best musical foot forward tonight. At 8 p.m., after Mystery Playhouse, its hit parade highlights. At 9 o'clock tonight, don't miss In Concert. And at 10 p.m., Barbershop Harmony followed at 11 by Music Till Midnight. Your favorites are right here every day on 89.3 FM, WMKV, the way radio was and is meant to be.
2: Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vena Jones-Cox, and it's Question and Answer Week on Real Life Real Estate uh, means you're the show, listeners. That means you, every single one. I'm not using the the general you here. I'm saying you, the person who is listening to my voice, are the show. Without your questions, there is no program. So give us a call at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Or you can send your question on any aspect of investing in real estate to askvina at gmail.com seems to be the preferred contact method for most listeners uh here is a question from i'm going to say regan because it's r-a-e-g-a-n in ballinger texas she says i've been a regular listener since finding your podcast several months ago i've gone back and listened to all the previous podcasts as well thanks for the valuable information you or your guests have mentioned using private lenders and/or partners throughout various podcasts. The one thing I'm still not clear on is how to structure partnerships. What percentage of the deal should partner get? If partners get, etc. I know this depends on a lot of things, but would you provide some scenarios you would consider? Well, Regan, uh, as you say, it 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 really depends. Um, partnerships take a couple of different forms. The good form is one partner has something that the other partner doesn't have and vice versa. And usually what that means is one partner has the money and the other partner has the ability to go do the deals. The evil kind of partnership is where both partners have have the same things and lack the same things. Like you both don't have any money and you're both really scared to go do real estate deals or you both have money but you're both scared to do real estate deals or neither one of you has money but you can both do real estate deals that's not a good partnership you don't you don't need a partner who matches your uh resources and your liabilities so let's just assume you're talking about one of the good partnerships where one person and I don't know if it's you or the other guy is providing the money and the other person is providing pretty much everything else you know finding the deal probably renovating the deal if it needs it selling the deal managing the deal whatever it may be even even within that sort of more defined structure the way the partnership is split is still different from partnership to partnership. Uh, Mostly what people think right off the bat is, hey, if you provide the money and I do the work, we'll split it 50-50. That's not necessarily going to be the best setup for either one of you. Um, I've seen many partnerships where the money partner gets 30% of the deal, 40% of the deal, even 25% of the deal, because the other partner is so experienced and can do so many deals and has so much access to partners and partner money that there's no reason for them to pay 50%. I've also seen the other way around where the money partner gets 75% because he's not only providing all the money, but also some of the expertise. And the non-money partner is pretty much just acting like a bird dog, finding the deals. And then the, the the money partner is really guiding him through the rest of the process. So it depends very much on where you are, where the partner is, and so on. What I'm telling you is don't assume it's going to be 50-50 until you've sat down and found out what you have and want and what the other guy has and wants. Now, one other thing that I want to say to you about partnerships, Regan, if you feel compelled to get into one, and um, I'll tell you, they... They they don't always work out. As a matter of fact, the bad kind of partnerships, the, just a hand-holding partnership where you're trying to split up the scared and split up the work, never works. I've never seen one of those last long term. But the good kind of partnership, where one person's got money and the other person doesn't, can work. However it really needs to be very tightly legally defined and that means sitting down with an attorney figuring out what the right legal structure is it's usually going to be a limited liability company having a very clear operating agreement for that llc that not only spells out what's going to happen when everything goes exactly right which is what you're hoping for but also what happens when everything goes wrong While everybody's still happy, sit down and write out in the operating agreement what happens if somebody gets unhappy. Have a buyout agreement, a buy-sell agreement, where either person can get out of the deal by uh, performing certain actions and paying off the other person in a certain way. Don't take this lightly. I've seen many, many, many partnerships that that have flat out gone bankrupt because one person was not happy with what the other person was doing and basically dug their heels in and refused to do their part. And the other partner couldn't do anything about it because they didn't have a buy-sell agreement. So uh, maybe more of an answer even than you wanted, Regan. But thank you very much for your question. You can ask your question here on Question and Answer Week on Real Life Real Estate Investing at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Or you can also um, send us an email. Vina at gmail.com. Uh, here's a question from Steve in Cincinnati. <laughs> Very funny, Steve. He says, Hi, Vina. Would you tell us how to deal with tenants that have dogs that cause conditions that mim- mimic poor drainage, etc.? Uh, he's referencing a story that I told on Facebook yesterday about some uh, tenants that uh, we had some issues with because they had dogs that were basically using the inside of the house as a bathroom and then saying that the water on the floor was coming up through the floor. And, uh, Steve, I, I, will, I will, in all seriousness, answer, answer the question this way. you got to think real hard about whether you want dogs in a house, uh, and cats too, for that matter. Um, there's two arguments, one either direction. Uh, in this, uh, you know, Don Beck, who wrote Down to Earth Landlording, always allows animals in his properties, and he charges extra for them. You know, there's an extra pet deposit, and then there's an extra monthly fee, uh, because he can get it, and it does increase the profit. Uh, he does not let animals into properties that have new carpet so it's <laughs> it's it, it's it's into properties where like uh apartments where the carpet's already two tenants old and it's going to have to be replaced anyway, and I believe he also told me that he tries to group them together, so if he's got like uh, an apartment building that's got some dogs and somebody wants to have a dog, he lets them into that apartment building um The argument in the other direction is uh uncared for dogs and cats can cause enormous damage to a property much more than you could ever charge in a monthly fee I, I think we uh, often asked uh, twenty or fifty dollars extra a month for a dog and a dog who is taken care of and let out and and fed and not not psychotic because he gets ignored all the time won't do a whole lot of damage to a house and they'll have an the occasional you know they'll make the occasional mess but but no, no nothing really big. Uh, a dog or multiple dogs who are left alone for hours on end, who, uh, get into that nervous thing that dogs do where they sit and scratch and scratch and scratch and scratch and scratch on the door. They can ruin not only your carpet and the floor underneath, but also your, your wood doors, your wood trim. Uh, I've seen dogs that have made holes in drywall that way and 50 bucks a month doesn't cover it, ladies and gentlemen. So here is the very best way if you decide to allow pets in a property to know whether or not they're going to do a lot of damage. Go visit their current home. See what it smells like. See what it looks like. Because that's exactly what your property is going to look and smell like six months up the road. I'm an animal lover. I'd love to have animals in all of my rental houses, but the truth is that I'm getting to the point where I'm about to say no to all of them uh, because they just they just do so much damage. And and I hate to see a dog that gets locked into a house twelve hours a day while its owners are at work and doesn't get paid attention to and makes a mess of the property. So if you have a question for real life real estate investing, even if it's poking at me like Steve just did, Seven seven two nine six five eight or eight seven 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 two nine six five eight is uh the numbers to call. And um you can also send us an email. All you gotta do is send it to askvina at gmail dot com. We need your questions here, or there is no show here on real life real estate. Uh, I have an email here. Uh, he doesn't say where he is from, but his name is apparently ES. No sign of where he's. Ah, wait, Columbus, Ohio. There he is. ES in Columbus says I started to think about what my own personal system was for doing due diligence on properties when I listened to your show last week let's say there's an absentee owner who wants to get rid of a property for $10,000 and it's a great wholesale opportunity. What is the typical checklist one would go through when doing due diligence? My fear is I'm not doing everything that I can. Well, that, that's a good question. Uh, yes, because uh, um, when you're wholesaling a property, you're not only thinking along the lines of what do i need to do to wholesale it but also what is my buyer going to need to have in order to buy the property what is he what is he going to need to see what is he going to need to do in order to actually make the decision to close and 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 do so and it's almost it's almost better to put yourself in the position of like if i was buying this property what would i want to do and so your due diligence checklist would include things like Ordering a title search so that your buyer can see that the title is, in fact, clear. Now, of course, the buyer is ultimately going to pay for that at the closing because the contract that he's taking over says that that's what he's going to do. But no no buyer in their right mind is going to, is going to write a check for $10,000 or more or less without seeing that the seller can actually sell the property. Uh, the buyer is going to probably, in this part of the country, want to see a termite report. So... A pet call the pest inspector would go on the due diligence list, follow up and make sure you get the report back before the end of your contractual due diligence, diligence period with the seller would be on the list. Um, there are certain pieces of paperwork, as you know, that have to pass back and forth in every real estate transaction. And it's easy to forget when you're wholesaling that they have to go from the seller to the buyer because you're neither one. So things to put on your due diligence checklist, get a lead disclosure from the seller. Just print one off of epa.gov, have the seller fill it out and sign it, give it to the buyer, let him fill it out and sign it, make a copy for yourself, one for each person and put it in your file. Now, of course, that does not apply to estate properties or to bank owned properties, but you said it's an absentee owner. Similarly, a seller disclosure of property condition I believe that every state in the United States now has one of those that is required in all real estate transactions, except, again, the ones involving estates or bank-owned properties. Who fills that out? The seller does. Who gets it? You get a copy and the buyer gets a copy. It is not your requirement. That is the state's requirement. Um, Checking for building orders would be on the list because, although, again, it's not going to be your property, uh, title searches do not normally Pull-up building orders. There's usually a separate site or a separate uh, office that you have to call to get those. And again, similarly, lead orders are all things that would go onto your due diligence checklist for a wholesale deal or really for any kind of deal. So thank you very much for your question, ES. You can ask your question here on Real Life Real Estate Investing at 772-9658, 877-772-9658, or... At askvina at com.
1: The Sycamore Senior Center is proud to support programming on WMKV, providing services to older adults in 16 communities. The Sycamore Senior Center is located in Blue Ash at 4455 Carver Woods Drive. More information for the Sycamore Senior Center is available at 984-1234. That's 984-1234. Or on their website at mkcommunities.org. Checking on traffic
0: right now: Accident Spring Grove at Winton, Reading at Seymour, East River Road at State Street, and US 50 at Lawrenceburg. Slow spots: northbound 71 out of downtown through Pfeiffer, off and on, also northbound 75 off and on out of downtown through Paddock, and GE to 275. Perhaps a little slower than usual today because of the ball game this afternoon. Cloudy sky, or partly cloudy skies tonight. However, there is a chance of a stray pop-up thunderstorm uh, overnight tonight, a low around 52. Tomorrow, sunny with a high of 75. Friday, sunny, at least the first part of the day. High around 80 degrees. There is a chance of some showers later in the afternoon. And then behind that system, uh, partly cloudy skies Saturday and Sunday this weekend. That's the good news, but it'll be much cooler. Highs only in the 60s, mid-60s. Right now, we're at 81 Degrees here at
1: 89.3 WMKV, where real-life real estate investing continues after this. Support comes from Council on Aging of Southwestern Ohio, where you can find answers to the many questions that arise when you're helping care for an older loved one. Council on Aging can explain the options, help you plan, and connect you to resources, including in-home care. Maybe all you need is reassurance that you're on the right path. Details at 513-721-1025 or online at helpforseniors.org. That's help, numeral four, seniors, dot org.
2: Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox's Question and Answer Week here on Real Life Real Estate. And uh, that means that uh, you leave me hanging here and this is what you're going to hear for the next half hour. Yeah, wasn't that painful? I mean that was like what, six seconds of silence. And you all reached for your radio knobs to see if it was if it had gone off. That's what question and answer week is all about is your question, seven seven two nine six five eight or eight seven 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 two nine six five eight or askvina at gmail dot com. Here is a question from Robert in Liberty Township. He says my wife and I are real estate investors, having done a couple of rehabs and we own three rentals. We're interested in a real estate license and learned on your show that you work with a flat fee broker. To get a license, though, I have heard that you must work with a broker on a number of deals. I'm interested in a license for our own investing work and could use some advice about how to go about getting a license. Okay, Robert, you did not hear me say that I work with a with a flat fee broker. I, I actually am a broker, so there's no... There would be no purpose in me doing that. Um, what you heard me say probably was that flat fee brokers are one option for people who truly don't want to be, they don't want to be real estate agents in the traditional sense. They want the license, not so that they can buy and sell houses for other people, but so that they can more easily buy and sell houses on their own behalf and uh a flat fee broker is one who instead of char- of of wanting to take, you know, whatever percentage of each commission that you make, instead just charges you a flat fee every month to for the use of the name and, you know, some sometimes you pay for your other expenses sometimes they pay for your other expenses. It all depends on the particular brokerage that you are working with. You are absolutely right that in most states this is, this is no longer true in all states. There are some states now where there's no such thing as a broker's license versus a real a real estate license. It's all everyone's a broker, uh, but in this state, uh, you do have to work with a under under a real estate broker uh, for at least two years, and there's a certain number of deals that you have to have completed before you can go take the education for and sit for the test for your own real estate broker's license. Um, my best advice on how to go about getting a license, since you didn't ask me whether or not you should get a license, you just said, how do I go about getting a license, is uh, the education is all the same no matter where you get it. So wherever you can get it the most cheaply is probably the best way to do it. Uh, be aware that if you take it from one of the local real estate brokers, they are going to expect you to put your license with them. So you'd better... Make sure that you know what their rules are and whether they're okay with you not generating a lot of commissions for the company. Uh, And um, then, of course, you have to uh, sit for the test, pass the test and follow all the rules uh, that will then be uh, put upon you by the state and so on. Um, just, uh, you know, find, find a broker who's investor friendly. That's, that's, that's my best piece of advice. And how do you find that out? Call somebody that you're interested and say, Hey, are you investor friendly? I was wondering, cause I'm an investor and I am not going to be, uh, generating a lot of regular commissions for you. I'm just going to be going out and buying cheap houses for myself. And yes, I'll be happy to split the commission with you on those cheap houses, but you're not going to make a lot off of me and see what they have to say. That's why a lot of brokers who work with real estate investors just want a flat fee every month. They don't want to mess around with the $300 worth of commissions that you're earning this month. So I hope that answered your question there, Robert. Real life real estate investing is the show. Question and answer week is the topic. That's listener questions and answers. That's not my questions and answers. You can... Ask your questions at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or via email at askvena at gmail.com. Any questions that you have are open today uh, here on Question and Answer Week. Here's one from Joe in Houston. He says, I understand that bank foreclosures require some kind of deposit with the title company. Is that money forfeited if you decide not to purchase for one reason or another? Um, Yes, uh, Joseph, actually, uh, almost all bank-owned properties are listed in the MLS, okay? They're all, the realtors have listings on practically all of them that are actually on the market. And when those properties are listed in the MLS, there's, there's usually a thing somewhere in the listing agreement that says what the minimum earnest money is. And when you see that, you, you have to be aware that your offer will not even be considered unless you at least send them a copy of a check for that much earnest money. Now, typical earnest money is a thousand bucks. Um, uh, Fannie Mae for a while there was requiring 10% of your purchase price. On their Fannie Mae-owned properties, um, so that could be you know three thousand, five thousand, ten thousand, depending on what ten percent of your purchase price was. And yes, it is forfeited if you don't buy the property and you are already outside of your contingency period. So what I'm saying is, let's say that you have a ten-day inspection clause in your contract, and and the the bank's addendum okay's that, and you send an inspector in, and he says, "Holy moly, this house has Texas mega termites, and it's going to fall down any moment now." And you send a uh, withdrawal of the offer in writing to the agent and say, w- w- "I'm withdrawing my offer because you know, there's all this work that I didn't need to didn't know needed to be done." In that case, your earnest money will be refunded. However, if you find that out, uh, 12 days after you put the property under contract and you're outside your inspection period, yeah, you're going to lose that earnest money. Uh, The earnest money is not always, by the way, deposited with a title company. It is sometimes deposited with the real estate agent themselves. Uh, I see about actually around here, 30% of folks uh, that are, so 30% of the the banks are asking for it to be deposited with the title company. About 70% are asking it to be deposited in the real estate agent's escrow account. Now, Joseph goes on to say, and all of a sudden my email has locked up, of course. Um, He goes on to say that if you excluded people in Houston, renters in Houston who had pets, you would lose half the tenants in Houston. Because even if you don't, if you tell them you don't accept pets, they they sneak them in anyway. Yeah, well, that's a really good reason to do a quarterly inspection on your rental properties, right, Joseph? So you know if your tenants have quote snuck in pets unquote. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Uh, we've got a caller on line one, Anthony, from here in Cincinnati. Anthony, welcome to Real Life Real Estate.
0: Hi, Vina. Hi, Anthony. Um, my question is: I stay on the east side of town, uh, close by Eastgate, Batavia area, and I want to start um, looking at houses for wholesaling. Uh, my question to you is: Is the type of areas over there is that the type of areas that I need to be looking at, or, or should I be targeting other areas? Kind of, I'm thinking like. Um, Areas off of 71 or 75, more so toward Hop or areas like that?
2: Well, uh, Anthony, my, my first question to you would be Have you begun building a buyer's list yet? No, I haven't. Okay, because you, building the buyer's list is going to tell you a lot about where you ought to be looking for properties. I can tell you just because you happen to be from Cincinnati and I happen to be from Cincinnati that there are plenty of people who would love to have a great deal in the Eastgate area, Milford area, Batavia area, uh, all out through that same the same place where you are. OK, okay. The 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 problem you're going to run into somewhat out there is that some of the areas are too nice to find wholesale deals in if you follow me. Because you're looking for a pretty particular kind of property. You're looking for something with an after-repaired value of less than one hundred twenty. dollars uh, something that's going to need probably thirty, forty thousand dollars 40000 worth of work that you can get under contract for something like 55% of the value by the time you turn around to wholesale it. Uh, okay. in, in some of the more expensive areas, and I, you know there's new subdivisions out there where houses are $300,000. Right. The issue with the $300,000 house is, number one, you're a lot less likely to find one in really bad shape. And number two, even if you do, when you go to your buyers and say, I have a house to sell to you and it's a great deal and it's $180,000, you might be exactly right. That might be a great deal, 180000 But I can tell you it's a whole lot easier to find somebody who's got, say, 80000 than it is to find someone who's got, say hundred and eighty thousand.
0: Right. Okay. Right. Right. So
2: no, you don't, there's, there's no other than the fact that you, you can't be in those move up neighborhoods. There's no particular part of town that I would say is like better than another part to wholesale it, but, okay. but you do need to start finding people who are actively buying in those areas. And if you, if you get 20 people on your buyers list and you find out that 10 of them want, say Clifton, you're probably also going to want to look in Clifton, because okay. that's where your buyers want to be. Uh, do you belong to RIA, Anthony?
0: Yes, I do, actually.
2: Okay, good place to start building your buyers list. All right. Okay. All
0: right. Thank you, Vena.
2: Thank you very much for your call, Anthony. And uh, that advice goes for everybody out there who's got a real estate investors association in their area and wants to be a wholesaler. Definitely best place to find people who want to buy properties is at a real estate investors association it's real life real estate investing i'm your host vena jones cox's question and answer week you can still get a hold of us for another 15 minutes at 772-9658-877-772-9658 or askvena at gmail.com
0: support comes from cincinnati association for the blind and visually impaired if someone you care about is visually impaired, there's an agency in town that understands the challenges you face and will surround you with caring people and helpful services. You can learn more at 513-221-8558 or at cincyblind.org. Cincinnati Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired. No you can. Checking on traffic. Accident. Coal rain at High Forest. Cleveland at Redding. Redding at Seymour. And eastbound River Road at State Street. And we have a disabled vehicle southbound 75 just south of the Norwood lateral. It's partially blocking the leftmost lane. And that's pretty much it as far as accidents and disableds go. Tonight your weather forecast. Partly cloudy skies. A pop-up shower not out of the question, but otherwise partly cloudy. A low of 52. Tomorrow sunny with a high of 75. Friday uh, partly sunny with a high around 80. However, later in the day there is a chance of uh, 70% chance of showers and thunderstorms. And then behind that system, uh, fair weather Saturday and Sunday, but cold, cooler temperatures, highs only in the mid 60s. Looking ahead to next week, uh, partly cloudy on Monday, then a chance of rain Tuesday. It's 82 degrees right now here at 89.3 WMKV
2: welcome back to real life real estate investing it's q and a day here on real life real estate and i i know i've thrown everybody for a loop because it's not the last wednesday of the month but we had to flip-flop shows so uh you can ask your questions at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or at askvina at gmail.com as did mike in philadelphia who says, Vina, can you discuss the new EPA-led safe practice rules that went into effect on April 22nd and their effect on landlords and rehabbers? Well, Mike, for a more complete discussion than what I'm about to give you, you can go to our podcast on iTunes, and we did an entire show about this about a month ago. Um I will give you the short answer. The effect has been total freaking chaos. Nobody has... This lead certification. Nobody seems to know that you have to have this lead certification. The classes to get the lead certification in many areas are filled up through September, and the law went into effect two weeks ago. Uh, there's lots of stuff online about the new regulations and exactly what they call for, and I think you're going to be absolutely shocked <laughs> when you see what those are. There's a lot of chatter on the web from uh, some of the builders' organizations, contractors' organizations, calling them harsh. <laughs> and, of course, the EPA itself has information up about it at epa.gov slash lead slash pubs slash renovation. And you can read all about the new rules. Uh, bottom line is, you have, if you're working on a property that you're not owning and living in, you pretty much have to have uh, the certification that takes... Eight hour, an eight hour class, I think, uh, to get costs uh, depending on where you get it between somewhere between a hundred and three hundred dollars. And then you got to do all kinds of stuff whenever you're working with lead. And I think you're going to be surprised to see what those things are. It's as if EPA thinks that we can actually have a lead free society. And if, as in Cincinnati, you live in an area where like every house was built before 1900, Um, then by golly, uh, you're going to see that it's going to be really hard to do that. But that's what we're living under right now. So better get your certification, better get your contractor certified. The fine for doing the work without the certification and or doing it incorrectly is like $37,000 a day. A day. So look into that, folks, and listen to the show on the podcast. Uh, Let's see. um, Steve from Albany says, Hi, Vina. I am trying to get started in real estate investing and have been mostly using the multiple listing service and REO websites to look for deals. There just don't seem to be many. I'm looking for starter single family homes to either flip or lease option. How do you find so many deals a year? How many of them are from the MLS? All of my offers so far... Have been laughed at when using the general seventy to eighty percent of ARV minus repairs uh, okay there's a couple questions here. let me try and tackle them one at a time Steve first of all um the question you a question you didn't ask but I'm going to answer anyway not seventy to eighty percent of ARV minus repairs sixty to seventy percent of ARV minus repairs don't don't push it up to eighty percent because you think it's more likely to get accepted you will regret it when you actually go do the deal second thing is I don't see deals in the MLS or on REO websites either I see properties that are overpriced and you know what I ignore the asking price and I make the offer anyway and sometimes it gets rejected like 19 times out of 20 and sometimes it gets accepted like one time out of 20. So uh, have some patience with this. It's not not every seller is motivated enough to take your offer. Uh, it's called making deals for a reason. If the deals were in the MLS at the right price, you wouldn't get to them because the realtors would snatch them up instantly as soon as they went on the market. And, um, ignore this whole thing about being laughed at because uh frankly, agents who list reo properties are very used to getting low ball offers that's that's a lot of what they get, and uh they're probably not actually laughing at you. They may occasionally call you up and yell at you, but you can do with it. you can deal with that right, Steve, You're a big boy. It's Real Life Real Estate Investing, 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. You better deal, dial that number right now if you have a question because we are getting toward the end of the show here. You can also send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. So uh, if if that question gets in here too late, I will stick it in the radio show questions file and we will get it answered At another date. Oops, I almost I just hit a button and almost just deleted my entire questions file. Oh, that would have been ugly. Um, Let's see. Hi, I'm a podcast listener in Colorado. This is from Ron. I love your show. I have a few questions, but I'd like to start with training other than joining the local RIA and seeking out others who have been there. What would be your recommended training source for a new investor? I'm not sure I want to get licensed, but I'm thinking about the training anyway, just for the knowledge. Ron, uh, you're talking about going and taking the licensure classes for being a real estate agent and then not becoming a real estate agent because you have fallen prey to a very, very common fallacy, which is that real estate licensing classes teach you how to invest in real estate. They do not teach you how to invest in real estate. They teach you how to be a real estate agent, which is a very, very different thing. I remember when I took my licensing classes, I got to learn things like how many square feet are in an acre and what is the difference between riparian rights and alluvial rights and many other things which, like eighth grade algebra, I have never used again. It's like 120 hours of training, and it's going to teach you how to do something you don't even want to do, which is be a real estate agent. Now, the appraisal class one of the one of the one of the classes that you usually have to take to become. A license agent is is the appraisal class, and that one's actually pretty good. The finance class focuses heavy on heavily on FHA, VA, and Fannie Mae financing, none of which you will ever be able to get. So, uh, that's not one probably worth dealing with. Principles and practices is all about the rules and laws and ethics of being a real estate agent. Long story short, if that is still possible, Ron, no. Don't take the real estate licensing classes. They will not get you what you need to, to, to know. Here's, here's other than joining your REA group, what you should do. Uh, this is how people get their training in real estate. You decide in a logical manner based on your skills, resources, wants, needs, goals, etc. What exit strategy is going to be best for you right now? Then... You find out what your options are for training in that exit strategy, because there. If, if you decide it's wholesaling, there's a million courses out there on wholesaling. If you decide it's rentals, there's a million courses out there on rentals. And then you get real recommendations from real human beings. I did not say get them from the internet, because the internet is largely not populated by real human beings, at least not when you're talking about getting recommendations from for classes. Talk to some people that you know and that you trust. Say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this one, this one, or this one. Let them tell you what the pros and cons are, and choose accordingly. There's this really funny thing that's going on on the internet. There's um, there's a number of uh, like places where people get on and discuss different courses, different gurus, different training programs, and w- what's happening. And and this is this is I'm not making this up. This is like a known thing. Is that like. Guy A, who has a short sale class, will log on to one of these things under a false name and criticize the heck out of guy B's class and say, I was there and I hated it and it was awful and, uh, it was a total waste of money. And, um, of course, the people who run these websites can track where the IP address is. And so, like, uh, when the same person logs in under their right name, they can tell it was, You know, anyway, it's all this big, horrible scandal out there. And that's what I mean by you really can't get your recommendations online because there are both folks out there posting good things about themselves under other names and bad things about other people under other names. It's so much better to go to a real life human being that you know and trust or better yet several and ask them their opinions on different, different courses and so on. Let's see, do we have time for one more question? We've got about two minutes left. Um, okay, quick quick one here. I recently bought a house on short sale. The homeowner is interested in working with someone to improve her credit. Mortgage brokers would be the ob- obvious choice, except that she doesn't want to buy another house. Are there any organizations that you trust who can help her? Well, Dawn, for her purposes, I would probably send her to... Uh, a non-profit, and this, this is Donna Dayton, by the way, to a nonprofit credit counseling association. If she was looking to buy another house at some point in the future, I would send her to uh, an FHA mortgage broker who specializes in getting folks ready for FHA because after a few years, they're first time homebuyers again, miraculously. And uh, those folks can really help them get up back on the track to get an FHA loan. Uh, there's also of course, lots and lots and lots of options out there for paid credit counseling, but that's not really something that I can um, recommend specific names here on public radio. Well, we've gotten to the end of another question and answer week safely without too many crickets tripping And don't forget the Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati meeting tomorrow night. If you're in the Cincinnati area, it is open to the public. All guests attend free. It is guest night. More information at CincinnatiREA.com or at 859-292-REA. We will be back next week to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing.
1: The memories and love the memories. When they start a song, sometimes within the first note in the first chord, I know the name of it. Yeah.